My friends, how good, how good it is to greet you this morning, to be once more in this holy place and to stand in this pulpit where I served for eight years before moving up a little bit to Park Avenue United Methodist Church. It's so wonderful to see so many familiar faces, to share with colleagues in the ministry, Violet and Steve and Laquita. And I just want to say to you, this church, how much you have meant to me over the years. Really, you've been the wind beneath my wings, and I will never forget, never forget. And as I said to the nine o'clock crowd, without having been here, I would not be able to be there. Because when Steve found me almost 16 years ago, I was at a Baptist church in North Carolina, and he invited me to come here. And it's been a journey and a whirlwind. And in a real way, this is how it ought to be. And so I thank you for your love and support over the years and even now. It has never lost, been lost in me. Let us pray. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who hast by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk from the wine of the world, we forget thee shadowed beneath thy hand. May we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. Noted theologian and author Frederick Beatner writes, we're much involved, all of us, with questions about things that matter a good deal today, but will be forgotten by this time tomorrow. The immediate where's and when's and how's that face us daily at home and at work. But at the same time, we tend to lose track of the questions about things that matter always. Life and death questions about meaning, purpose, and value. To lose track of such deep questions as these is to risk losing track of who we really are in our own depths and where we are really going. We gather this morning to reflect on some of the questions that are calling to us and our time. What are those questions that keep you awake at night, that you're constantly mulling in your head and heart about life, faith, love, justice, neighbor? I know I have my own set of questions these days. 
questions about the fragility of life, how precious it is, how fleeting. I've been wondering about the restlessness that seems to invade our city and country, the angst and division so apparent among us, our seemingly lack of civility, that gotcha mentality, how being right or the greatest or the best appears to be far more important than listening and helping and learning a new way. I've been thinking about justice and what it really means in 2019 and the price necessary for it. How the only way that some will ever have even a little bit is that others must give up something and how difficult giving up anything seems to be. These questions, my brothers and sisters, I think, are invitations that call us to faith. We must ask what it all means for us individually and also as a body, the body of Christ, here and now in this place at this time. How can we clear out the clutter so that we might listen for the answers we need in order to survive? and help the world be a better place. Our gospel lesson this morning takes us back to the central question about eternal life. That's what the law professor, the scribe, asked Jesus in last Sunday's gospel. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Love God, Jesus says. Love your neighbor. Well, who is my neighbor? First, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which is an oxymoron within itself. For no good person would be considered a Samaritan, and no Samaritan would be considered good. For he is an outsider, despised and hated, and yet he crosses all boundaries and does what is unexpected with extravagant generosity and excellence. And by so doing, he rewrites the narrative of his own life and sets a new precedent of the way it ought to be. And then Luke launches in today's gospel as a continuation of that theme. The path toward eternal life is like this. Hospitality, kinfolk, doing and listening, and growing and recognizing what is close at hand. So often, I think, when we approach this text, we might be tempted to compare these two sisters. That's what siblings do. We compare ourselves to one another. Here they are, Mary and Martha. We like to draw lines of comparisons around ourselves. One is better smarter, prettier, thinner, more capable, which only means that the other is lesser, somehow. We like either or, one good, one bad, one in, one out. 
One sister busies herself in the kitchen, preparing meals and taking care that everyone is comfortable. She acts appropriately and responsibly, doing tangible things with a great sense of hospitality, which would have been expected. Through her lens, we might say that Martha is the good sister, while Mary sits at Jesus' feet with the menfolk, which would have been unheard of. She's captivated by the words being spoken. Can you not imagine what we would have said about Mary? My guess is that most of us are the Martha types. <laughs> we are New Yorkers. We excel in getting things done, being on point. We are achievers. It's in the air we breathe. It's what our culture celebrates more than anything else except money. And achieving is the path to more money. We are the worker bees, the ones who can be counted on to accomplish and accomplish well. If we're honest, we might admit that we're most often defined by the task we do. Martha is taking care of business. And what is Mary doing? I mean, really? Martha grows angry, perhaps resentful, because Mary is sitting Martha is tired, and I'm guessing feeling a little un unappreciated. Who wouldn't be? She draws attention back to herself, even from her honored guest. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her, get up, do something. But Jesus almost never responds as we expect. You are distracted by so many things, Martha. But only one thing is needed, and your sister Mary has chosen the one thing. Now we know that there are tasks that must be done. And if everyone sat and contemplated all the time, then what would we have? Where would we be? For nothing happens automatically. Still, we are busy, busy, busy. Is that not true? We're tired and worn out and overworked and drained. We live in an anxious society, and more often than not, it's easy to be more anxious, ill, and ill-tempered and never nourish our soul, never replenish our mind and our heart and our spirit. Today, we're not going to debate the merits of one sister over the other, nor their activities. And quite frankly, we ought to be mindful about comparing ourselves anyway. Surely, Jesus was not making a case of either or as an absolute. Someone has to do the work. Likewise, if everyone is busy, we don't get very far all the time. We are multidimensional, 
multifaceted people. We are liberal sometimes, yes, but other times we are conservative, holding back. One bad day and the right kind of stimulus, if we're honest, and oh my. There are many sides to our complex being. We're capable of a broad spectrum of things. We often want to think that we're further along, but then something happens and we realize I'm not quite there yet. We have to grow and progress in life and faith and we're never done. Again, if we're honest, we might admit that we're capable of great good gentleness and kindness and justice for all, but if pushed too far, or if we have to sacrifice too great, we may not be quite ready. Theologian John Shea observes that while in the English we hear that Mary has chosen the better part, in Greek the word is translated as good. Mary has chosen the good part, meaning she has chosen the connection to God who is good. And I would also add good in the sense that the Samaritan was good, which leads to the ground and energy of effective action. We want to be good, I think. Good like the Samaritan. Good like Mary but I'm guessing we're not good every day. If I'm honest, I might admit that there are days when I don't feel like being good. I'm tired and weary and my capacity is low. I don't have any more goodness in me. Some days. There are paradoxes of faith and life that demand our attention. We're just not going to understand some things without reflection, without sitting with it, without letting it pour in over us. We're not going to get it. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And whosoever finds his or her life must be willing to lose their life. We're not going to understand that in a snap, because that's not our way. We want to be first. We don't want to be last. We don't want to lose. We want to win, and all the time. My brothers and sisters, every time another son of color is shot down mercilessly in the street, without any accountability, or an innocent police officer is killed simply doing their job. When I hear of the bombing of a mosque, or synagogue, or a church burned to the ground, or an elected leader, or a rally chant in my beloved state, send her back, send them back. When I see photos of parents and children living in squalor and dying because they simply want a better life, 
I have to sit with it for a while. I have to collect myself. I, I have to ponder my thoughts and feelings. I have to ask myself, what can I do? And I need to consider those times and spaces when and where I may too be guilty. Perhaps not that, but guilty nonetheless. Who have I hurt because of some offhanded remark? Or where did I join in a conversation that I should not have? Or take the coward's route and just not have the courage to speak up and declare it wrong, or simply do nothing at all. There are answers that only I can answer. Only I can provide the answers, and I must have time and space to sit with myself and consider these things all are our brothers and sisters. And while we think about these two sisters, Mary and Martha, I like this because I'm one of three girls. And there are three boys. And all of us are these type A. Martha type folks. We are achievers. We, we go against the grain. We, we, we're not afraid to try it. And like every family, things come up here and there, you see. But one thing I've learned over time, and I'm glad you don't know them because you can't tell them this, but <laughs> One thing I have discovered, that even when we may not quite like each other, you see, when we're frustrated and getting on each other's last nerve, we're only going to go so far. We're only going to take it so far. Because we are our mother and father's children. And they would turn over in their grave if we don't love each other. We're never going to not talk to one another. It's never going to happen, but so long. <laughs> Somebody's going to get over it. Forgive it. Let it go. Now, we might talk to some, one of the other ones, but it's only going to go so far. And in the same way, we are all kinfolk. And we're all bound together by our parent, God who binds us together and claims us as family. Therefore, we ought not to ever go so far to hurt one another. And just like my five siblings and I are bound together by our parents' blood, so are we. And the whole world bound together by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why are we so distracted? Why are we so distracted? What are those fears and wounds 
and traumas that cause division among us, that are calling to us in this hour, at this time, keeping us from loving one another and the peace that binds us together. I think Jesus is calling Martha to her true self, to love her sister, to understand and be patient, and Mary to do the same. Martha, Martha, my dear, you are so good, but you are more than the task that you're doing. You're more than what is, is on your plate right now. What you are doing is good, but this moment also holds much more. And you may very well be missing it because you're overwhelmed. Is that your truth? Perhaps Jesus is also calling our name. Kathy, Kathy, Ngozi, Ngozi, Mark and Alice. Marilyn, Janice, you're concerned by so many things, and rightly so. It looks like the world is a mess. I get it. But you are mine. You belong to me. And I am the source of your strength and my way the way. Do we not long to hear this amid all the clutter, chaos, anger, and bitterness of our world? But we must slow down and listen and learn. We must be patient with ourselves and one another we must forgive, just let it go, so that we can love all of our kinfolk. That is the call and the invitation, so that we can see the presence of God in our midst right there. People who love us, opportunities abounding, and then, my brothers and sisters, rise up, do what we can, serve graciously and extravagantly, strive for peace, be good, be good, for goodness sake, be good.